I'm ready to go. You guys good? So were we supposed to watch this week's episode uh, or are we just going to wing it? I am I am primed and ready to talk about this week's Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Wretched Hive podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Welcome to another episode of the Wretched Hive Podcast for Saturday morning's review of WandaVision. Today we're doing Season 1, Episode 7, originally dropped on Friday, February 19th. My name is Steve Baldwin, and joining me this morning, Dave Potter and Scott Ivansky. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Steve. And I think we need to pause just real quick to note that this episode actually dropped at around 12.20 a.m. Pacific time instead of the usual midnight Pacific time because of a, a service outage. Uh, the Disney Plus service crashed because so many people were trying to watch it at once. Uh, no word yet on if this was the fault of AOC and the Green New Deal. <laughs> well, thank God you're not blaming me, Dave. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, guys. This episode is titled Breaking the Fourth Wall, which um, initially, you know, the, the episode starts with Wanda, the single camera Wanda narrating to us, the viewers. Um, but after having watched the episode, I'm thinking breaking the fourth wall has multiple meanings for this episode. As, as Shakespeare would say, there, there is a double meaning in that. You are correct on that, Steve. And I don't want to get ahead of it because I think the big breaking the fourth wall thing is at the end. And I kind of like how we progress through the episode. But yes, it's breaking the fourth wall. It's an homage to those office sitcoms, the, the, the uh, modern family sitcom where the characters talk directly to the camera. But there's more, I, there's more to, there's more to come on that. But I, I want to pause because I think the big moment that you appreciated the most at the beginning of this mm. was when we saw Scarlet Witch in bed, flipping back the covers, still wearing the traditional <laughs> 1980s costume oh, underneath. Yes. I saw that and I was like, this is this is what Steve would put on a poster <laughs> on the wall of his bedroom if he was still a 17 year old boy. It's this just image pull, right here. Just to pull the curtain back. Off air, I've been sharing about my uh, my little girlfriend obsession with Wanda. I'm 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 digging on the Wanda. I like Wanda. in particular too that that 80s accurate costume that was yeah. in the, the Halloween spooktacular episode. It's true. And if I told you that I did not rewind that and watch it again, I would be lying. Um, that was slow mo, slow mo. But but it's Wanda. And, and Lisa's like, that's my man, ladies. No, no, stand back. He's taken. <laughs> Oh, Lisa and I have have discussed it at length. So, uh, so yeah. I just have to. I have a it's question Halloween for Steve for, for for Lisa coming in. The I was just gonna say, is that gonna be Lisa's costume this this Halloween? <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> anyway, we we start this episode with Wanda um, narrating at the camera, uh, and she's a little perplexed at what's going on. She really doesn't understand why the world around her. Um, is starting to crumble a little bit, and and um, Scott, it's 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 a little bit out of her control. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I'm going to make one quick cor- uh, correction on this. It's not crumbling a little bit. It's crumbling a lot. Um, but I do love that this is the one where she starts to realize it's okay to be like we've seen these little jumps where she's comfortable um, showing her powers in front of people, doing certain things. 
This is the one where she just is telling you, breaking the fourth wall, the audience, that, yeah, I'm the one who created this thing. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have these little moments and you expand the false reality we all live in. I love that that's that moment. I also love, uh, besides the awesome um, original costume cheesecake moment that we get, uh, we do get uh, more hex uh, symbols in here. The bed, um, the bedspread and the pillows. So there is something mm-hmm. really interesting about this. I want to point out there's two theories here. The pillow that is actually Visions is the one that has the hexes on it or around it, which I think is what she is doing to Vision. But if you look, she has more of like a, a floral paisley looking one there. And it's also a very uh, bluish green tint. And it makes it look like there are two eyes looking right over the top of her head, which I think is going to play into something that will come up later. Uh, should I leave that, Dave, for later? Or? Yes, I think I I like where you're going with it, Scott. I think you're teasing it now. We'll let the listeners progress with us and get to your reveal at the end. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So, and, uh, but can I jump back for one yeah, second, Steve? Because there is a, there's a legit Easter egg reference in the titles in the the title sequence oh yeah i'm sure there were many but the one that actually caught my eye is the license plate wanda there is a series of numbers at the top yeah i saw that too those numbers are actually stanley's birthday oh i did not catch that awesome that is awesome also the ransom note in the title sequence was phenomenal i thought that was great yeah they're doing such a great job dropping this these hints I, i didn't catch the pillowcases i didn't see the hex pillowcase i need to go back and look at that um wanda you makes were distracted re- by other things steve we understand yes. you were not looking at the pillowcases god yes i was or maybe um, more. Uh, wanda makes her way downstairs and she has an, uh, her first interact well actually she has her first interaction with her with the twins while she's still in the bedroom and one of the twins says um i th- my 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 head is really noisy there's a lot going on um and Dave, what is what is that about? What's going on with the twins at this point? So that was the uh, the twin that would in the comics be known as Wiccan, and he is that that's an allusion to something that he's going to that's setting up something that he's going to do later. He has a you know a magical power or a telepathic power, whatever you want to call it, but he's aware of what's going on around him and the inner voices, the inner monologues of what people are experiencing. Whether that's because he's telepathic and he would just do it outside of the hex, or whether that's because he's picking up on people's inner reactions that are in the hex. You know, they have to manifest themselves outwardly as something, but inside they're screaming and trapped. Unknown at this point. But uh, jumping ahead later on, there is a moment where he, he kind of comes back to that and contrasts with what we see right here. So it's kind of, I took it as he's showing there's a lot of turmoil going on. And that's fair because Wanda's actually the most conflicted and tired and, and worn out that we've seen in this whole thing. And I think it's because she's expanded this hex area. She has stretched her powers and her mental capacity beyond what she's really able and capable of maintaining. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the, the dialogue in this episode I thought was really interesting. And, you know, it's got this sort of modern family, happy endings, almost like a, I got a strong curb your enthusiasm i don't know if that you guys picked up on that at all but i I felt that a little bit um you know she she's dropping jokes like vision is made of vibranium they literally inherited tough skin 
Um, uh, it's just a bad case, case of the Mondays. Am I right? You know, it's just sort of like modernized dialogue, I think, was uh, I thought was interesting. It, it definitely has the modern family vibe. And she actually made me think of the mom on Modern Family uh, with some of the way her humor and jokes come across. But just wanted to add. Oh, no, no, it's fair. It's yeah. fair. It, it was it was very modern family office. That case of the Mondays is right from office space, though, not office to sitcom. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, the opening uh, sequence is flat out the office. Like it is almost the same theme. Like it just they just tweaked it with a different type of instrument and changed a couple of the the structures, the the note structures in that thing. It's good stuff. Uh, they're in the living room. They're downstairs, and we see Agnes for the first time in this episode, who then has her own one on one with the camera, and she says, "It's a good thing I showed up when I did." She's a moment away from cutting her own bangs, and the first thing that popped into my head was, <laughs> "She's a mo." So she's. You, do you mean her own throat? Like I just thought that you know Agnes was picking up on this, you know a, that um, that Wanda is in distress. Oh yeah, Dave. I think you and I yeah. can have a conversation for the next like two weeks on just this line alone. Uh, but back it up for one second, Steve. When she shows up, this is another pr- uh, progression that I love over the show. Each time she shows up at the house, she keeps making that same entrance into that doorway. Mm-hmm. And this time, Wanda knows there is a connection. She knows that she's there and opens the door before the door knocks. The doorbell rings. You know, some fancy entrance. It just boom. And she says, hey, Agnes, like right there. So I thought that was a really interesting point to like show, like really show that Agnes has something more going on here. And it's right. it's very clear in this episode. But yeah, uh, the bangs reference, I really feel is a, a, like it's a foreshadowing of a complete mental breakdown for I, I mean, this whole episode kind of feels like that, but it's right. telling you that she's about to have a mental breakdown. Yeah, I, I, I kind of took it as a Britney shaving her head reference. Yes. Oblique, but... Yeah. And, and, and those credits, I actually think... I actually had to look it up because I blanked on it. I think the credits also were kind of an homage to Happy Endings because I think Happy Endings had a lot of those kind of sign-style pictures uh-huh. in the old credits. Yep. And nice. fun fact, the Russo brothers worked on Happy Endings. Oh. Oh, wow, yeah. I never saw the show. Uh, I, I I read about the reference earlier before, you know, in doing a little prep, but I, I was, I'm not familiar with that show. I, I've not People watched it, it either. Though. That's why I actually had to look it up as I was like, oh, I, I, I've read that, but now I can't remember it. So I just mm-hmm. grabbed the old iPhone to help prompt my aging memory. <laughs> Meanwhile, Wanda's still trying to convince herself, I'm fine. She keeps saying, you know, telling the camera and the viewing audience, I'm fine. And uh, as we learn later, an interviewer. Yes. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the interviewer asks her, uh, "Do you I, think I, maybe this is what you deserved?" And I think that's a little later, but I'm just it. it we yeah. think she's talking. I thought it was interesting that we're getting this. Uh, it's a, a progression in this episode because mm-hmm. this is episode seven. This is the beginning of the third act of the show. We're all used to this convention where they're kind of talking to us through the television. Yeah, that's how it's kind of set up here at the beginning. And then there's a transition later on where you realize, wait, there's an interviewer there like the office and those moments on the office where they would break the fourth wall and you would get the interviewer involved. Those were usually big moments. Yeah, important story moments. 
I, I like that. I like the fact that it is like The Office or even Modern Family where they're breaking the fourth wall. They're talking to you still, the audience, not just a television show telling the story, but the interviewer part. I love the response. Are, are you supposed to be talking? Like, I mm-hmm. love that. It's like it, yeah. even breaking the fourth wall, she still is disturbed by the fact that there's somebody there that she is responding to and not the audience, like part of the show program style. So there's a there's a there's a great one of the one of the uh, you know one on one camera uh, to illustrate the point moments here with um, Agnes saying oh come with me kids I won't bite and then they jump to her one on one on the camera and she says you know deadpan I bit a kid once and then just you know pauses for comedy and just just leaves it there and then they cut back to regular action which right. is which is right out of the office certain characters on the office well I was wondering knowing. And we're not going to get there yet, but knowing about um, her background, Agnes's background, and who she really is, is was there a little a little hint at some evil tone there? Like I but, I bit a kid once. Potentially, depending on where they go with with the reveal. Because what I will say is, it, assuming the fan theory is right, that the accepted fan theory is right, <clears throat> it doesn't mean that that character name is still going to be that character that we're familiar with from the MCU. Got it. Okay. Right. Like, like the MCU is famous, is very good at taking a concept from the comics and putting a little different, little different flavor on it for the cinematic universe. Okay. Got it. Uh, we jump outside of the hex and, uh, we see the most heavily armored space Rover that they can produce for Monica Rambo. Um, but before we get there, actually Hayward made a comment to one of his underlings and he, he says something about, or maybe I'm misremembering, but something about project codename cataract. Yeah. Which has been referenced before. I think Darcy talked about it the last episode. What's project cataract Darcy. Okay. So we don't know what project cataract is yet. No, we're learning about what the records show cataract is in this in this episode because Darcy apparently off screen downloaded that information somehow to Agent Wu. Right. That's right. Convenient. Very convenient. Yes. Well, well he, he does say <laughs> that Darcy I got, got the... eaten by the hex. Yeah. <laughs> right. He does. She, he does say that she sent the email. So he's pulling the email. So yes. in the in the moment of everything happening, she probably was sending that email. That's how we're getting that. Probably. I know it's but it's I'm, an off screen. I'm guessing. Thing. Yeah, I'm guessing right before she got handcuffed to the truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the moments before. Um, Vision brings Darcy out of her trance, and um, they decide to go and, and go back home and get Wanda, or help Wanda. Um, I just got to say th- that her hex glasses, I, 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 Darcy, do you want to meet for lunch sometime? Because those glasses <laughs> are pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> um, she pulls the key out of the hula dancer. So I, I'm now I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I may be falling into the trap of everything means something. And so I have to ask so, you guys, is there meaning with the hula dancer on the dashboard and pulling the key up? Dave, I, you I don't, I honestly don't think so, but I yeah. will point out two things that one I'm positive has meaning and one I think has meaning. Okay. So the one that I'm positive has meaning is throughout that, that time where Vision wakes up in the sword base and they're all circus workers and Darcy's an escape artist, which is yeah. hilarious because she that was handed up to the truck. Yeah. But there's like a strong – someone who looks like a strong man who keeps coming out and saying, hey, you're on in a minute. 
Yes. Hey, you're on in a minute. Hey, you need to do this. And finally, Darcy just punches him out. Right. That is the shield agent that refu- that is a sword agent that refused to get her coffee in episode four. Oh, oh, wow. That's great. So that's 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 a fun bit. But the other thing. So that that does mean something. That's the thing. I'm positive means something. That's a callback. Uh, yep. The one that I'm not entirely sure of is I'm I'm pretty sure I've only watched the episode once. I'm pretty sure I saw somebody in the background with a sign that said, fool the guessers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which I think is what they're doing with us. They know that they've marketed this show as it's an alternate reality, so therefore everything could mean something. We are all twisting ourselves in knots going, oh, there's a fly on the wall. Well, if this episode was filmed after the vice presidential debate, is it a this or that? Like We're, we're trying to find <laughs> meaning in everything. Mm. And so fool the guessers. It's like, yeah, it could be something. It could be nothing. Just like that sign could be something. It could be nothing. It could be a little meta commentary at us like guys back off. And I I actually think this was one of the the lower level Easter egg shows that we've had in a while. I actually felt like this this show was had dialed it down just a bit, turned the thermostat down just enough Mm -hmm. that we were a little more focused on the forward action and the story as opposed to. Is there meaning in that? So when there are a couple things later on at the end of the episode that happen, I'm convinced they do still have a deeper meaning. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I think there's one other one right there because you mentioned the the strong man. Uh, and I'm going to forget the character's name because I think it was after my my like heyday in comics, Dave. So hopefully you can help me out. His belt and his color scheme is very reminiscent of a Marvel character, and I can't remember. It starts with an S, but there is a giant S on his belt. Um, oh, God, is it the I'm, strong man, the guy that's like the yeah. sort of buff guy. It almost looks identical to the character. Like if he just had a instead of a bodybuilder circus outfit on, the if it was just expanded to a full like superhero uniform, it would look identical to this character. And I can't remember his name now. I cannot believe this. <laughs> uh, I'll have to dig it up and put it in the in the the thread when we post. Maybe Greg Greg Lent's good at that stuff. Maybe he yeah. can help us. But you Dave's, know, I'm with Dave on that about the the Hula Girl. It's okay. Just I think it's just one of those references to movies in general. Whenever they get into a car, they're going to steal. The keys are always on the visor or somewhere. Yeah. I just think it was just one uh, of those kind of. Unless it's some kind of a reference to Two Broke Girls, which I admittedly never watched. <laughs> Oh yeah, that, that it's nothing. That's the only possibility I can think of there. So the the Easter eggs are 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 to your point, Dave, seem a little bit more obvious. Um, also, and the commercial, which I think is the funniest yet, um, the the drug Nexus, um, you know, take it for depression because the world doesn't revolve around you, or does it? Yeah, this is huge. This is Wanda wondering, what is going on? This is the least oblique commercial they have done. Am I I correct on that analysis, Scott? Least oblique. (laughs) That's true. So talk about Nexus and the significance of Nexus in this universe. I'll I'll, I'll let Scott go on that one. This is going to be tough. Uh, So the Nexus, I I love how this one, this one is almost direct because it, the Nexus, if I'm right, and, and Dave, hopefully you'll be able to help me out on this because now we're starting to get into that multiverse thing. The Nexus is another realm that connects um, all the different, like, like wait, like almost like um, what is it, the Rainbow Bridge or whatever from Thor? It, it, it helps. It, it helps connect things. <clears throat> it's it's it, the world between worlds. It's it's yes. you know it. it 
that that is a place in the Marvel universe, and yeah. that's what you're talking about. Yes, there is also a concept in the Marvel universe of uh, a nexus being, oh, somebody oh. who just exists and has the ability to more <clears throat> easily move between these things and doesn't need the the physical location or tool of of the nexus. And in some of the stories in the Marvel universe, Wanda has been posited to be such a nexus being. But it, it regardless, it's referring to the concept of. There's more than one world. There's more yeah. than one Earth. There are ways to move between those those Earths. Maybe it's this location. Maybe it's this person. Maybe we've created both in the hex. Yeah, that's that's what I took from this based off of that knowledge right there was that especially when we get towards our reveal at the end, we're getting there close. We're getting there very soon. But I feel like when Wanda goes to a certain place, we kind of get that feeling of what the commercial saying is. Here's that because we don't see where that place there's other tunnels, other things that, you know, directions, ways uh, of transportation in that area. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But I want I'll reference back to the commercial when we get there, because okay. the ending of the show is unbelievable. <laughs> we're, we're getting we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So um, Agnes has a moment with the boys. Agnes takes the boys into her home and. Wait, wait. Can I can I jump Please. back on one thing before you do that? Jump back. There's a throwaway gag that I don't think was a throwaway gag, where Wanda's like, "Can I do something for you?" And she's like, "Oh, can you look on my? I have this mole that I don't think I can see." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And that's typically the mark of a witch. Ah, that was that's good. I I didn't pick like, up on they, that. Because like they do that, and then she's like, "Oh, never mind, it's fine." Then when she's leaving with the boys, she's like, "Well, maybe one of you can just take a look." So I'm like, "I, I it's a throwaway gag, but I don't think it's a throwaway gag. It's it's a." a mark of a witch well it's, it it's is also, a gag because because she she says and and it's right above my and then they close the door so you yeah. know she's gonna say like my ass but yeah yeah like dave's saying about that being a throwaway gag but not really i also think the same way what you said about her candidly saying to the camera i bit a kid once <laughs> like i think <laughs> there might be something more real there just like the mole thing so yeah okay so um agnes takes the boys into her house and they like being there. They're comfortable there. One of them says, you're quiet, Agnes, on the inside. Mm-hmm. As if you can read her on the inside. So what's that about? And that, That's what I talked about earlier. They were setting that up where he says it okay. feels noisy because he hears everybody on the inside. But now he's with Agnes, and Agnes is quiet on the inside because Agnes is not actually imprisoned in the hex. Yeah. Agnes is Agnes, and therefore she is quiet on the inside because she's not in prison. She's actually something else. Yeah, that was the big reveal for me was when they said that. That was a great setup, by the way, because we know who Wiccan is going to be, all the fans of the comics. So to hear that moment, I'm just reiterating what you said. That's a big clue. It's it, To me, that felt like the old Xavier stuff when things were getting too out of control from the X-Men series and you'd have to use uh, Cerebro and reach out and... and understand people there were a couple moments i think in the x-men series where the noise got too much for him mm. so that, that's, or, all, that, that's always been a staple of telepaths in the marvel universe the problem is not learning to read minds the problem is learning to shut off the world so you're not overwhelmed by the presence of the thoughts of everybody around you they even yeah. that chris claremont when he was writing the x-men even developed a, a term uh, size screens for psychological screens that you always have to keep up as a telepath so you're not just overwhelmed by yeah. the thoughts of people around you. Yeah. So Monica then attempts to take the, the space rover 
into the hex. Which looks exactly like it's from The Martian, by the way. I just want to pause to talk about that. It looks like a leftover set piece from the movie The Martian. And I'm pretty sure Major Major Goodmer was an actor on The Martian. But I haven't haven't double-checked that Uh, because I didn't get to watch any of this until late last night. But, yeah. uh, Real quick about this sequence we're going to be talking about here. Was it, for the rest of us, kind of a letdown? Like they built that up so much that she was going to see somebody uh, that was a, a an engineer of oh. some sort. So and it 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 wasn't it wasn't okay, right? It was a letdown because we were expecting that we were going to see someone, meaning the engineer. So I was let down last night and a little pissed off, to be honest. But then I woke up this morning and I'm like, wait a minute, we saw somebody, but. I don't think we ever saw an engineer. We saw a major. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a good point. Yeah. So I'm yeah. wondering if that reveal is still yet to come. I'm actually wondering if that reveal isn't going to be until Captain Marvel 2. Mm-hmm. Huh, yeah. Because it's possible the, her engineer friend designed something, and that wing of sword is what brought it to her, not the engineer himself. Things yeah. I'm just wondering. I don't have any proof for that. That's pure speculation on my part. That's great speculation, actually. But yeah, I, th- this sequence is my probably my second favorite moment in this series so far. This what's coming up right here. I this is, and I, I thought it was really well done. Um, Monica takes the moon rover. She rams into the hex. The visual effects here, uh, theater worthy visual effects. The hex spits the rover back out, and it's halfway converted into. I don't know, like a 1992 Chevy minivan or pickup or something. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it looks like Ant Man's minivan is what it looks. Like. <laughs> yeah. It looks it like the, it has a horn, a horn that should go la cucaracha. Right, and then Monica decides, you know, she escapes narrowly, and she decides she's going to run into the breach. She's going to try and run through the hex. She says, "I can make it through," and. She does. She fights her way through. It's really cool how you can see the different versions of Monica. She gets through, and now she can see the hex for what it is for a moment, which I thought was really cool. This so this her is, DNA has been rewritten now yes. at least a third time. Yes. Right? Well, this this is. I, I looked over watching this with Karen, and I just said, "Well, this is the birth of a superhero right here. This is mm-hmm. her becoming basically a mutant, or the mutant gene is unlocked here based off of the radiation that's flowing through her. But, uh, and, and once she takes her suit off, and Scott, check me on this, the, what she's wearing is evocative of that original Captain Marvel costume. It is. Right? It's it really not just is. me, right? No, no, it... it so, so the funny thing, I know Steve loves all this because of how many characters, names, and changes go on in, in comic book history, but she has been Captain Marvel. We, we talked about this. Yeah. Um, the main one I think we all know. Um, she's been Photon, and she has been um, Spectrum, right? Was the other Spectrum, one? She's Spectrum now. There was a fourth name in there, and I forget what it was. So that costume is very much the, the, what the white and black Captain Marvel costume that she had and uh i'd be really interested to see if they're gonna just like phase all of those together so she's just photon i think photon would be the one they would go with right out of everyone or do you think spectrum i if if she really does have command over the energy spectrum yeah like spectrum would be the better choice because photon is one part of this energy spectrum right but that's that's what we're seeing. Okay, well, first of all, we need to back up to the point where she is breaking through because there is a ton 
of stuff going on in there. And if you haven't rewatched it or watched it with the subtitles, there are a bunch of people talking to her. Um, a lot. Well, it's all from Captain Marvel, pretty much. Uh, but it, it's, it's pretty much everybody but the Jedi from Rise of Skywalker are talking <laughs> to her at that moment. You sure. Yeah, <laughs> I thought Ahsoka was in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> no, the the big one for me, and, and I know uh, Captain Marvel is in there. I know her mom is in there. But I think the big one for me was when Nick Fury is saying, you need to learn to glow like your Aunt Carol. And that just... Mm-hmm. Uh, and right when he's saying that is right when you see that transition. We're seeing her like phase into all these different versions of herself from the show, but that's when you really see her start to glow. And that was a really cool way of putting that little montage of her transforming into this what is essentially a mutant. And um, I love when she breaks through and she sees everything with that that vision, the the spectrum that she see like everything that what it it's all the magical energy that's like the construct of the hex and i love that it's different than what we see from wanda's version or the outside world's version it's now her version of it and that's that was phenomenal and we see we see in a a little bit later that monica clearly is powerful although we don't know exactly what what the power what form her power has taken quite yet yeah. yeah, and that's where this podcast is kind of fun and frustrating all at the same time, right? <laughs> because Scott and I know the whole backstory of the character, know what she can become, know what she probably will become, and Steve, you don't, and you're kind of seeing all this as a as a first time viewer, yeah. and that's where I that's where I always feel like there's a big dichotomy on this for our listeners because there are folks that I know who are longtime you know card carrying nerds who listen to it because they love to hear us talk. And I also know there are people who listen to it so that they can talk to their friends who are card carrying nerds. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it, you know what? Like literally, it, I have a coworker who has said to me, like, I've started listening to this so I can talk, so I can better talk to my boyfriend about the show because oh, he knows cool. all the stuff like you guys do. Great. But you know what? This to, to Dave's point, this is fantastic. This is the card carrying nerds and the geeks out there that love this, but are frustrated because we know where, like you said, where she's going. To other people that don't follow the comics or know that history, imagine you're watching somebody who's this transformation's happening. It's like watching a kid who's learning to ride a bike for the first time. What you saw on the show was that first time they got up, you're excited, and then they fall over. But you know it's going to get better, and you know it's going to go to places that are unreal, like jumping the Grand Canyon <laughs> or something to that, that effect. All right, guys. In the last five minutes here, there's a conversation Monica and Wanda have – sorry um, – I'm sorry, Vision and Darcy have in the truck and Darcy lays out Vision's history for him. Yes, Wanda killed you. Tried and save the universe. But you came back when they rewound time. And so um and, and then and you got killed again and she watched the whole thing. And, yeah. she, and then Vision's like, Well, she had a rough couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. I like that they pointed out the time frame of that. Uh just See, that's a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's the conversation. I thought you were going to talk about the one with him being a creeper, and then they're going to go out on a date and have lobster. Oh, that's earlier. That was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought that was that was cute. Well, that um, goes back to that, like you know, twenty twenty dialogue, the sort of modern dialogue that we have with these shows now. I do like their their moment together. This whole time in the show is them trying to get back to Wanda, and they're constantly being blocked. Which to right. me is a reference to what it could be a reference to what was on the refrigerator, the kind of ransom note looking thing. It's almost like a note 
that something that Vision said earlier on in the series put as a ransom note, like, I know what you're doing, Wanda, or I know what you did. And so it's it's interesting that she's now she makes a point somewhere in the show to say, you know, if he doesn't want to be found, why go looking for him, you know? And here they are trying to get back, and Wanda seems to be the one blocking them from getting back, or it could be somebody else. Right, and and around that time, Vision has his one-on-one with the camera, and I, which I thought was hilarious. That he says, "I'm not amused," and then gets up, takes the microphone off, and and you know, eventually flies out the roof of the uh, truck they're in and makes its way <laughs> back. Yeah. To uh, getting to the end now, guys. Um, Agnes takes Wanda into her home, protects her from the yep. conversation with uh, Monica. Yep, Dave. And really quick, I am 90% sure, I'm going to have to get Christine to confirm this to me, I am 90% sure the exterior of Agnes's house is the actual house from Bewitched. Oh, oh wow. That's awesome. I'm going to I'm going to get Christine to confirm that for me because she's a huge fan of Bewitched, but just wanted to throw that out there. Sorry to throw you off your groove. Please continue. That's okay. So Agnes takes Wanda, you know, around her shoulder takes her into her home do you want some tea um wanda sees the half-eaten sandwiches on the on the coffee table and says where are the twins and agnes says oh they're probably playing in the basement in other words go down to the basement and see for yourself wanda heads down there and she she sees some sort of magical things in the basement did did you guys catch that there's like a i I need to watch it again to see exactly it was what there's, was that thing that she sees there's a there's a lot of stuff there the one thing that caught my eye is and scott you'll you'll jump in on this i'm sure yeah. i'm pretty sure that was the dark hold yeah i'm glad you went there dave seriously i'm pretty sure it's the dark hold too um dark hold is a super powerful magical lore book like think the for, for those that are not fans think the ark of the lost covenant but for dark magic yeah. And then okay. multiply it by a factor of 10. And that's the importance of the Darkhold. So a real quick uh, throwback. The Darkhold was also featured in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is that correct? Do you guys? I'm pretty sure it was. I yeah. stopped watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. around season four, but I'm pretty sure it was it was used in there. And there's some serious shit that happens with that. So we know that this can go some really crazy places uh, if that is the Darkhold. And again, I'm with Dave. I think it is. I really do. But Steve, when you say she's coming down into the basement, it looks like you're going into this, not just a basement, but like all the almost, you know what it felt like was Dagobah. I mean, Luke's going into the cave. There's all these like vines and trees and. It, yeah, it felt like a weird, like almost techno or, and I know that's not what they were trying to do, but in the, a techno organic. Yes. Thing, well, just in how it's designed and lit. I loved it because it's the organic side that is the real creepy thing, the nature side. The purple energy, the techno part of that is very, for me, was a representation of her magic. If we see her later yes. on, you do see the purple energy glows in certain cases. So just got this uh, out there from uh, Six Hyvie and Chris Evans thinks that it's the shrine and altar seems to point to the character that we've talked about as a. Uh, possibility on the show uh mephisto i yes um mephisto vibe. And, and agnes usually wears purple she usually has something purple on her yeah because we, we got now less than five minutes and we got a million things to talk about but let's minutes. talk real quick about the cave because there's more here besides the dark hold some of the first things wanda sees inside this basement or cave is you see the the um the archways 
all the different little alcoves, and one of them has a giant skull up in it. This is this is what I really love this show about. Not just the Easter eggs, but the throwbacks to each episode. The first song that Vision sings is Yakety Yak, and the skull that's hanging underneath there is a yak uh, skull, which is amazing to me. I, I'm like, that's a great callback. These guys, and and the fact that we're in this lair, and there's just this feeling of darkness there. And yeah. somewhere in the Marvel Studios, somebody's listening to this podcast going, did you know that Skull is a yak? Eh, fuck no, we just got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be so, even better. So Agnes joins her down in the basement, and she says something like, you didn't think you were the only magical person in this town, did you? And finally, we get the big reveal. She says, I'm Agatha Harkness. Yeah. Boom. And then so, the song. Least, I just have the to. Least, the most expected, like that was the least surprising thing that has happened on this show. Literally. Yeah. Literally the least surprising thing. Yeah. And yet it still was amazingly satisfying. It was. That's what's so amazing. How many times have we talked on this show for the last how many weeks that that's definitely Ag- Agatha Harkness. But how they did it was phenomenal. I love it. I mean, it. Was, it's that amazing moment where you suddenly realize, oh, we all knew that. But then their production and turning it around like, yeah, you're not watching the Wanda show. You're watching the Agatha show. And then we and get I to the- loved the 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 song, the theme song. It was Agatha all the time. Uh, like the <laughs> monsters. Um, big, big, big vibe there. I just I was singing there's, that song in my head for an hour after watching. <laughs> there's apparently a Twitter movement that's just around like getting the clubs to open back up so people can shake their ass to that song. That's awesome. And it's a legitimate Uh, good song. And how she acts and plays it and all of it, it's just just kind of ooh, cool, sexy, all knowing, all powerful. Like that was that was such a magnificent payoff for all the setup that they've done. And I just I the the fun she must have had shooting all of that. I would have loved to have been on set for, for as they were doing each of those montage sequences. Yeah. 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 I, oh, she steals every scene she's in for sure. And I, I think they've set it up that way from the beginning, but she's so, a great character and the actress is doing it so, so wonderfully. She's amazing. And so many things happen in this, not just the way she's acting in her little like tongue in cheek looks at the camera, but we also get a glimpse of the real Agatha Harkness at the very beginning of that sequence. She's floating in kind of like a Mary Poppins and lands and you see the old timey witch outfit that she's wearing. Or, I was going to say, or a Wicked Witch of the West, or, yeah, as opposed yeah. to Mary Poppins. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, I was going for the floating in thing, but yes. I okay. know, I know. And, um, and I mentioned the actress, I just want to throw out her name. Elizabeth Shepard is just doing a, a, she's just phenomenal on the show. She's so good. Yeah. Um, that, that clip is also where they show the pan back, where we, we get the explanation of Wanda's like, wait, you're not supposed to talk. And we see that Agnes is the interviewer sitting in the chair who actually asked that question. Do you feel like you're getting what you deserve? Mm-hmm. It just yes. adds a whole nother level of creepy, disturbing meaning to everything that's been going on. Which oh, is yeah. a male voice, by the way. And now, of course, we know it's Agatha. And that's what's amazing when you hear the voice originally. I didn't go with male. I just thought like a disguised voice because it is grumbly and low. I think what's happening there is basically she's got Wanda in a trance and can't see who that interviewer is. So, mm-hmm. All right. In the last minute, guys, tag team this. What is the significance of Agatha Harkness? Why is she important? 
she's an uber powerful magical being who in the comics was a a mentor nanny friend ally sort of uh she doesn't necessarily you know she, she's not necessarily good or bad she's somebody that there's a lot of, of playroom we gotta slow this down calm that that volume down time man. time is coming up guys scott why is agatha significant on the show for you uh she is a connection to a bunch of mo- way more powerful beings and i don't think it's just one i know we've talked mephisto but i think we have nightmare and there might be a couple others involved in here based off of that basement sequence dave before we roll out you've got to talk post credits man we got to get that out of the way Snooper's gonna snoop. There's a lot of purple <laughs> magic around Petro when he appears. When he appears in the uh, Agnes all along sequence, is he a dupe or is he something else? We still don't know. But the Petro that showed up was wearing a beanie and a tie dye shirt, just like he did in the X Men universe. <laughs> I I think the beanie was significant. I think it's actually nightmare. I think the color of that beanie, and I know your reference to the X Men, that is nightmare right there. And he is working purposely with Agnes. Because when you see um, Monica Rambeau turn around, she's got the hex in the eyes. It's not her new vision. It's her. Wow. And that post-credit sequence, by the way, I think it means we're done with sitcoms. But the last two episodes are going to be straight out Marvel action. It's mighty Marvel. Yeah. You know, I said uh, on the Wretched Hive proper from last week that the roots of Marvel, the Marvel Universe, are so thick and so deep. It's just incredible the content that they have and that they can pull from. And I love that you guys are able to break this down for for me every weekend and uh, to kind of just fill me in on what's going on because it's not always clear. And um, Agatha Harkness. Wow. That was a great moment. (laughs) Guys, thanks for joining. Uh, Join us next week for episode eight. And until then, may the force be with us all.